Chapter 28, a remarkable chapter, begins, Vayi Bayamim Hahem, came to pass at that time, Vayikbitzu Plishtim et Machanem with Latzava. So the Philistines gathered their army to go to war. Vigachem be Israel to fight with Israel. Vayomor Achish al David, Yodoa Teda, Kiti Tetzay Bamachane Atov Anashecha. Know very well, says Achish, that know very well that you and your men will go with me in the war camp. In other words, we're going to fight Israel. Here's your opportunity to join with us and to fight against Israel. Now we understand very well that that is a no-win situation for David. What's he going to do? To say no to Achish is problematic, his host, and he's there amongst the Philistines, but to fight Israel? Whatever the relationship with Saul is, who's the king of Israel, how can you fight against Israel, the future king of Israel? What is David going to do? What does David say to Achish? David you will certainly know what your servant will do. That's a statement that has absolutely no meaning at all. And it's a wonderful statement. You'll see what I'm going to do. So Achish might think that, oh, he's so happy to come with me. We, the readers, say, what did David say? We don't know. Vayomer Achish, El David, Achish said, Ochein Shomer Roshi Asimcho Kohayomim, I will appoint you my bodyguard for life. So this is a continuation of chapter 27 with a new wrinkle. The Philistines are amassing their army and David is invited and it's one of those invitations you can't really say no to. But what's he going to do? He gives the answer, you'll see what I will do. Now, suddenly, the chapter moves away from David altogether. The death of Samuel was recorded in verse number 3. Shmuel mate, by Yisbedulo kol Yisrael, and all of Israel mourned Samuel. By Yikbaru baramovi, well, they buried him in Ramah in his city. Vishaul heisira ovot vietayedonim and Saul had forbidden recourse to ghosts and familiar spirits in the land. Oven yidoni, in the Torah, are mediums. And they're explicitly forbidden by the Torah. In fact, when it comes to idolatry, idolatrous practice, there are two particular forms of idolatry that the Torah is most opposed to. One is called Molech, and the other is Oven Yidoni. Saul had removed the Ovot and Yidonim from the land. But meanwhile, in verse number four, the Philistines are gathering their troops. So Saul amasses his army in Gilboa. The Philistines are in Shunem. But Saul sees the Philistines. When Saul sees the size of the Philistine army, he trembled he had great fear. So Saul inquires of God. 
Hashem, but God did not answer Saul. Gam b'chalomot, not in dreams. Gam urim, not through the urim, which in the Torah are connected to the choshen, to the ephod, through which one inquires of God, but God is not answering. Gam b'nviim, not through prophets, and we know a couple of verses earlier, Samuel the prophet is dead. Saul has no answer from God. What should I do? God's not talking to me. Saul says to his servants, Find me a balatov, a medium, woman who consults ghosts. And I will seek her. Saul's the very one who banished the ov. Now he wants to go to the ov. And the servants say to him, In Endor, there is a medium, there's a Balatov. So Saul disguises himself, and he goes to the medium of Endor, and he says to her, I want you to bring bring up a ghost for me. The woman says to him in verse 9, I can't do that. King Saul has forbidden. You know that Saul, anybody who does that, it's going to be put to death. Why are you laying a trap, mitnakesh, from the word mokesh? Probably also a play on the word kish, which of course is Saul's father, Shaul ben Kish. Why are you putting me in trouble? Why are you getting me in trouble with King Saul, who explicitly forbade the ov? But Saul swears by God. I swear by God, says Saul. Nothing will happen to you. I'll, I'll take care of you. Saul's not going to harm you. She says, of course, no, it's Saul. Saul is disguised. Now, before we get to one of the points I'd like to make about this chapter, and what makes it so interesting, is that it's a very strange business. Saul does not go first to the Ove. In fact, he, he, he banished the Ove. He wants God to respond in one form. Prophets, dreams, priestly vestments, God is not answering. And since God is not answering, and Saul is desperate for an answer, Saul seeks the ove to tell Saul what to do, to put him in touch, and it's going to be Samuel himself that Saul wants to speak to. The picture of Saul going to an idolatrous ove to speak to Samuel speaks volumes about the desperation of Saul. It reminds me very much of a different story that we encounter in the Torah. Rachel wants to have children. Great difficulty having children. Finally, she has a son. His name is Joseph. And Rachel said, Yosef Hashem, we be God should give me another child. Hashem, God, grant me another child. The years go on. The time goes on. And Rachel has no more children. And Jacob is leaving the house of Lavan, stealing away in the night, says the text. And Rachel steals the trophy. What is Rachel steal the trophy? So presumably in the story, the plain reading of the story, was that she needs the trophy for herself. In fact, the Torah suggests 
almost explicitly the reason for it. The reason for it is she wants another child. And the trophim she sees potentially as a way through these idolatrous trophim that her dreams will be realized. In that story, she had prayed to God first. God has not yet responded. Her husband, Jacob, throughout the entire story, seems, I would say, rather unsympathetic or unaware of her deep need. It's not that Rachel believes in Trafim. Rachel turns to God. But when God doesn't answer, desperate people do desperate things. And in fact, her deathbed confession, one could say, when she names her son Ben-Oni from the word Oven, the term Avenu Trafim is one that appears many times, including in the book of Samuel, when Samuel said to Saul, who descends from Rachel, Kichatat Kesem Meri, the Oven Utrafim Haftzar. So we have a picture of Saul over here. I would say of a desperate man, abandoned as he understands it by God, seeking some kind of divine message, some kind of what's going to be. The enemy is massing on my cross for me. I don't know what to do. And that's the picture of Saul. Saul raises Samuel from the dead. And Samuel, to put it mildly, has an unsympathetic response to Saul. Why have you troubled me, says Samuel, in chapter 28. Why did you force me up here? Why are you bothering me? And Saul says to Samuel, the Philistines are amassing all around me. Tsarli ma'od, in verse 15. I'm very desperate. And God has left me. And God doesn't answer me. In no way. No dreams, no prophets. Now I'm asking you, what should I do? And Samuel says to Saul, what do you ask me for? God has turned away from you. God has become your enemy. Because of the story of Amalek, says Samuel. And tomorrow you and your sons will be here with me. And when Saul hears this, he falls to the ground in terrible fear. And he hadn't even eaten as well. But Shaul in verse 24, the woman, the medium, the Balat Ov, often she's referred to as the witch of Endor. And the woman said, saw that Saul was very frightened. And she said to Saul, Behold, your servant, referring to herself, obeyed you. I risked my life. I did what you asked me to do. Now you listen to me. Let me place before you some bread and eat, and you will have strength when you go on your journey. At first he refuses. But his servants and the woman insist. And he gets up, and he sits down. The woman had a stall-fed calf, and she quickly prepared it for him. And she baked, uh, took some flour and kneaded it, and baked cakes for him. Matzot, which you can bake quickly. And she presented it to Saul, and Saul's servants. And they got up and they ate and they left that night. It's a remarkable chapter because we have over here two responses to Saul's desperation. We have his former teacher, his Rebbe, the great prophet, who I would say in the chapter is represented by the book 
in a rather unsympathetic way. And now we have the Balat Ov, the idolatrous witch, the medium, who's represented in the book in a very positive way. She has deep sympathy for this man and his troubles. She knows what's going to happen. But she says, meanwhile, you, you, you live. Let me give you strength for your journey. And what you see about the book of Samuel is that the book of Samuel has very few constraints. The book of Samuel doesn't feel bound by virtually anything. The freedom that you have in the book of Samuel, that the book feels it's going to tell its story the way it wants to tell its story, not constrained by anything else. And you have a story where the great prophet is represented unsympathetically. And the ultimate idolater, the Balat Ov, is represented in the most sympathetic fashion. This is chapter 28, and it's interesting, chapter 28, we have left the David story. begins with David, and the book leaves David, comes back to David in chapter, chapter 29.